We want to welcome you today to our online chapel. My name is Ryan Hutchinson, and I serve as the executive vice president here at Southeastern Seminary. We are so thankful that there are many students, alumni, staff, faculty, and others all around the world who are joining in and watching us right now. At Southeastern Seminary, we believe in the power of prayer, and we want to let you know that we are a praying seminary. And there are many of you that are experiencing burdens right now, and if you are currently experiencing burdens that you would like us to join you in lifting up to our Heavenly Father, we want to encourage you to go to our website at sebts.edu forward slash prayer and submit that prayer request for us, and we will be able to share that with our leadership team and be able to lift you up before our Heavenly Father. Today, I want to introduce our speaker, Dr. Dwayne Milioni, who is the Associate Professor of Preaching here at Southeastern Seminary, the director of our PhD program, and also is the lead pastor at Open Door Church, where I have the privilege of serving alongside of him as an elder. Now, one of the things that we want to do is we want to take your focus to God's Word by hearing God's Word read. And so this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to hear one of our graduates, Jenny Price, read to us from Psalm 91, verses 1 through 6. In this psalm, we're going to learn how it is that we fall under the protection of the Lord Almighty and how it is that we are underneath His shadow and the protection that comes with that. Now hear the word of the Lord. Hi, Southeastern. My name is Jenny Price, and I am an alumni from 2014. I get to serve as Director of Women's Ministries here at the Grove Community Church in Riverside, California. And today's passage of Scripture is Psalm 91, verses 1 through 6. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap. From the destructive plague, he will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. This is the word of the Lord. Now let's take a moment and let's quiet our heart and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are such a good and a gracious God. We are thankful for the fact that we are under your protection, the fact that we live in the shadow of the Almighty, the hope that that provides for us. And Lord, might we rest in that hope during these days. Lord, as we hear your word taught this morning, we just pray for a blessing upon our teacher, Dr. Dwayne Milioni. That, Lord, that he would proclaim your word with boldness and with clarity so that we might find ourselves able to walk more faithfully before you. Lord, give us wisdom in these days. Lord, we do ask that we be released from these kind of conditions that we find ourselves in, especially, Lord, not only that we can have the opportunity to just freely move around again, but also have the opportunity to be able to gather as saints together in our local churches. Lord, we pray these things and ask for these things, trusting in your name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, join with us in celebrating Jesus, our fount of living water. Let's worship him together.
Well, hello, Southeastern family and friends. I'm Dr. Milioni. I'm really sorry I can't preach to you today, but I am glad that you're joining this live stream. What I'd like to share with you today is just a little encouragement on how to protect covenant love. Now, you may be like me uh, during this uh, quarantine. My wife and I have actually really enjoyed being stuck at home together these last several weeks. Uh, I've been working out of the house and I've been able to enjoy my wife, which by the way, we celebrated our 31st anniversary just a few days ago. I'm married to an amazing woman. And for us, it's been a bit like a honeymoon. Now, our kids are grown and they're out of the house, and so we've just enjoyed this time together. But I'm guessing that for some of you, this may not be the case. I can imagine that some of you are in your apartments or in your little homes, and you've got kids, and you're trying to homeschool and feed them three meals and clean the house and study and work out of the house, and it's quite possible that for some of your relationships, you've lost some intimacy. It's easy to do. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means to protect the intimacy of your covenant marriage and protect the intimacy of our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, they say falling in love is easy, and it is, but maintaining love is not. It, it, and often in marriage, we begin well, but then as time goes on, there are things that challenge our intimacy. It's the same thing with our faith in Jesus. It's easy to fall in love with Jesus Christ. It's, it's much more difficult to maintain that love much more challenging to maintain devotion and discipline and commitment with the Lord. Let me ask you this question. What would you say is the opposite of love? It's not hate. It's complacency. It's apathy. You see, when a, when a person stops caring, when they stop trying when they stop desiring, that's when love begins to fade. And it can easily happen in your marriage, and it can easily happen in your relationship with Christ. Now, how does that happen? How does apathy replace love? Well, friends, it happens when selfishness creeps in. When you start demanding your desires and when you stop caring for others, when you stop loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, that's when it can creep in. And so we need to fight against apathy in our relationships in order to maintain intimacy. And that really is the point of the Song of Solomon as we get to chapter 5. Now let me give you just a little uh, reminder of this precious love song that we have recorded in the scriptures. The Song of Solomon is, is poetry. It's a love song that was either written by or attributed to King Solomon. And, and this song, it tells the story of a shepherd king who finds this common peasant country girl who was working in one of the king's vineyards, and they fall madly in love with each other. 
It's a song of romance. It's a song of desire. And as the song tells this story of the two growing in their relationship and being betrothed, she is brought from the country into the big city of Jerusalem, all the way to the royal palace where they are planning on their wedding. And, and this song sings of, of her insecurity and, and her doubt. And, and he, on the other hand, is flooding her with, with praise. It really speaks to what, what I believe is uh, some of the, the deepest fears and desires of every woman, which is security and significance. Every wife really desires to, to feel secure in her marriage and to feel significant by her lover, by her husband. And, and the shepherd king is, is there to just flood her with praises and encouragement to really meet that need. Now, in the same way, she um, is expressing such praise to him. She's granting him honor and, and respect. She loves his name and all that means. And, and so she also meets his desire because I think in the same way, the deep desire of every man, every husband, is to receive honor and respect from his wife. And she's happy to provide him that. So he's ministering to her and, and caring for her concerns and fears, and she's ministering to him, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and in chapter 3, they have this glorious wedding day. And then in chapter 4 of the Song of Solomon, we, we get a, a sneak peek into the very bedroom chamber of these two lovers. On the night, the first night, after they have expressed their covenant vows together. And now finally they are able to consummate their marriage and enjoy the physical intimacy that God intends for us in our marriage relationship. And they do that. And in chapter five, it really begins with a, a celebration of what has taken place on their wedding night, where the shepherd king now is, is just praising God and affirming what has just taken place. And as a result, there is this sort of divine approval on the marriage and the intimacy that the two lovers are enjoying, where it says, eat friends and drink and imbibe deeply, O lovers. Well, when we get to Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, and that's where I want to begin focusing our attention. Unfortunately, the scene changes. The mood shifts. Even though this couple had just enjoyed this amazing wedding and, and, and the intimacy of their wedding night, now we're going to see selfishness and apathy creep into their marriage and their covenant relationship. Let me pick up in verse 2. I was asleep but my heart was awake, a voice. My beloved was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, and my locks with the damp of the night. I've taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I've already washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? Now, what happens is, this love song goes from marital intimacy to their first conflict, their first fight. 
And, and, and it describes this scenario where the shepherd king, who had been out looking over his land and, and caring for the nation, comes in very late at night. It was so late that the dew had already set and his hair was drenched. And, and he was in, coming into his palace and he was looking forward to spending the night with his new bride. And he goes to the bedroom chamber and he begins to open the door, but it's locked and he can't get in. And so he knocks on the door and he says, hello, it's me, it's your husband. I want to come in. And he begins to, to plead with uh, his new bride. And he says, hey, open up the door, please. Come on, my, my sister, my, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. And he's just pouring on the, the praises in order for her to get out of bed and let him in so they can en enjoy uh, the night together. But the problem was, if you uh, look closely at the beginning at verse 2, it says, I was asleep, but my heart was awake. In other words, she had thought, well, he's not coming home tonight, so I'm just going to go to bed. And she got into bed and, and, and she was all cozy. She was in that 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 warm and fuzzy place I call the sleep zone. I love the sleep zone. You know, at night when you, you go, you're getting ready to go to bed and you're exhausted and you're looking forward to resting. And, and as your body begins to settle down, your mind begins to settle down, you get in this zone. Oh, it feels so warm and comfortable just before you nod off and sleep. Well, she was there in that zone. And right there before she nods off, she hears the knock of the door. And she's thinking, oh no. I don't want to wake up. I'm just to that point where I just want to go to sleep at night. And so now it's time for her to make the decision. Am I going to serve my husband or am I going to be selfish and just go to sleep? And she chooses selfishness. She actually begins to make excuses. And instead of jumping out of bed and running to the door and saying, yes, my husband, come in. Let's enjoy time together. She she says to him, I, I can't get out of bed right now. I'm in my pajamas. I, if I get out of bed, I'd have to put a robe on. She says, if, if I get out of bed and come all the way to the door, my, my feet will get dirty. I have to wash them again. I'm just guessing that the palace of Solomon had clean floors. Just, just a guess. But she's just simply making excuses. As a matter of fact, she's basically saying to her shepherd king, her husband, her lover, Honey, I've got a headache. Not tonight. I, it is amazing to me, both the honesty of this love song, but how quickly complacency and apathy and selfishness can creep into your relationship. How quick, quickly it, it can begin to affect your, your covenant marriage. And I'm also amazed at how complacency and apathy can quickly begin to erode the intimacy of our relationship with Christ. It's so easy for it to take place. How would you describe your marriage right now, if you are honest? I mean, I know there are a lot of stressors that have been laid upon us with this pandemic, and, and I can imagine that for some of you, many, maybe many of you, you would have to say, yeah, our covenant relationship has lost some of its intimacy. 
More importantly, what about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Has all that's taken place in the last month or so and and, and the restrictions and and the new way and the new rhythms of life, have, have they affected your personal and intimate and passionate relationship with Jesus Christ? If so, friends, I hope that my message today will be a challenge to you to regain that and to protect the covenant relationships that you have. Well, in verse 4, the shepherd king decides he has to leave. He says, my beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were aroused for him. I arose to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and, and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as as he spoke, and I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called out for him, but he didn't answer me. So now the love song takes another shift, and the shepherd king is there with the locked door of the bedroom chamber, and he, he can't get in, and so he decides to do something as a reminder that he was there. Now, the king had had worn around his neck a sachet of perfume. The Song of Solomon talks about this on a number of occasions. And uh, as the, the king would walk by you, you would it, the aroma of these beautiful fragrances would just emanate. And, and she would often be reminded of, of how much she loves him whenever she smelled the aroma of his perfume. So he takes the sachet of perfume and he pours a little of it on his hands and he wipes it on the doorknob and through the, the keyhole of the bedroom chamber. And then he leaves. Well, now she's laying in bed and she now can't sleep. And all of a sudden, the fragrant aroma that reminds her of her lover hits her. And she's now awakened and she's thinking, what am I doing? I need to let my husband in. And so she gets out of bed and she goes to the door. And as she opens it, he's gone. And all she has left is wet hands with the fragrance, the reminder of a missed opportunity. Now, let me pause again because how many relationships are lost because of missed opportunity? How many relationships, how many marriages decay simply because of missed opportunities? You know, I don't think that most marriages fail because of one big sinful event. Honestly, I think most marriages fail because of a number of of small missed opportunities for the husband and the wife or both to serve each other and to minister to one another. That's why in, in, in chapter 2 of Song of Solomon, as they're singing about their growing love and their plans to be together, it says, catch for us those little foxes, referring to those, those, those little sins, the little foxes, it says, that can eat away at the vineyards, the blossoms uh, of, the, of, the vine, uh, of the grapevines, referring to those little sins that if you're not careful, 
they can simply eat away and eat away at the intimacy of the relationship. And, and if you're not careful at protecting your covenant love, these missed opportunities can lead to devastating results. And, and in the same way, there are many opportunities that we have day in and day out to maintain our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes we simply miss the opportunity. Whether we miss our, our, our daily time in God's Word and our time in prayer and our, our time in personal worship, our, our time in, in, in serving and giving, just so many opportunities that we have to maintain this passionate relationship and desire with Jesus Christ. But we simply neglect the opportunity. And in some way, selfishness or complacency causes us to miss them. Well, in the love song, and, and this may actually be some sort of a dream or nightmare that has taken place, um, the, the new bride decides, I've got to get out of here and find my husband, my, my shepherd king. And, and it says, the watchmen who made the rounds in the city, they found me. And they struck me and they wounded me. And the guardsmen of the, of the wall, they, they took away my shawl from me. And then she, she says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved as to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick. Now, foolishly, she she thinks, okay, let me, let me put on my shawl and, and let me go out into the city and, and find my lover and, 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 and tell him I'm sorry so that we can be together. But as she goes out and she's at, it's at dark at night and she's by herself, the guardsmen of the city, they, they must have thought that she, she was doing something wrong or maybe she was a, a prostitute and, and they take her veil away, which, you know, the public undressing of prostitutes was, was a common occurrence then. And, and they struck her, and, 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 and now she's finding herself alone and, and unprotected and in danger. And she reveals now her heart. She, she's lovesick. But look what she has done. And the conflict now has, has led to some danger in their relationship. Now, i, I got to be honest you know, there have been times in my marriage where, where Kay and I have been in conflict, and to be really honest, it's pretty much always my fault. There's some selfishness that, that I choose, some, uh, some thing that I miss, some ministry that opportunity that I miss, and, and then it leads to tension in, in our marriage. But always, remember, always when there's conflict, there's opportunity. There's opportunity for us to deal with our sin, and to achieve the sanctification that God desires for us. Now, one of the things I want to share with you, just let me help with some real practical advice this morning, is how you can protect your covenant marriage and, and in the same way protect your relationship with Christ by, by not allowing these sins to corrode and corrupt your relationship. When it comes to marriage, 
I want you to do something for me. I want you to evaluate how much scum is in your marriage. Now, I'm, I'm using that word uh, particularly uh, because I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 3 and 4. Uh, I've developed this, this little uh, way of thinking about these verses by using the word scum, and I want to share that with you, because in Ephesians 5, um, the Apostle Paul is addressing the church and, and how we are to relate to one another, and then also he's, he's, a, he's setting the stage for the description of marriage and how a husband and wife ought to also relate to one another. And in these verses, he describes what I call the scum of a relationship or the scum of, of marriage. He says this, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because all of these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He is saying, avoid anything that relates to sexual immorality. That's the S of scum. Anything that avoids corrupt communication, that's the C of scum. There should always be thanksgiving, never ungratefulness, which I translate that as avoid unmet expectations, that's the U, and problems related to money or wealth, that's the M. S-C-U-M, in any relationship, especially a marriage, that gets uh, this coating of scum in it is going to be in trouble. We really do have to avoid this. Often when I'm doing marriage counseling, I'm asking this simple question. Where's the scum in your marriage? Are, are there problems in relation to your, your sexual intimacy, problems in relation to communication, Problems with unmet expectations, problems with money, lust for wealth or debt. And, and guess what? Often, <laughs> as you can imagine, one or more of these is present and it is destroying, it's corroding away the intimacy in the marriage. If you are married or if you desire to be, pay careful attention to this. Don't allow problems in terms of sexual intimacy to, to corrode the intimacy of your marriage. And what selfishness and apathy can do, it can allow um, immorality to eventually creep in. And, and then sexual sin becomes a part of the marriage, but it steals, sexual sin steals away intimacy. It is so very dangerous. Seeking pleasure without personal investment. That, that's all the pursuit of sexual immorality is. Also, problems with communication. Remember, in Ephesians 4, Paul just said, always use words that edify, build up, never words that tear each other down. That's what corrupt communication does. It's often used as a weapon. It's, it's used to criticize. It's used to manipulate rather than building up. It's used to tear down. Now, I think at times, as I'm thinking about this scum, unmet expectations are the silent killer of relationships. What I mean is, you know, 
you tend to, in marriage, have these expectations of your spouse. And when they're not met, you feel justified to be bitter or angry or demanding. But the irony is you set those expectations and when they're not met, you feel justified. And and there's no way in the scriptures where it tells us that we are to have these demands or expectations. The, The Bible doesn't say husbands love your wives if or wives respect your husbands if. It just tells us to do it. And so we have to remove our expectations if we're really going to love and serve the way that Christ did for us. And then finally, um, dealing with the issue of money and wealth, it's so easy to have a materialistic view of life. One of the things I'm actually grateful for during this pandemic is that we're being forced to reevaluate our lust for wealth and in the money that we spend on ourselves and entertainment and, and all of these other things, I think it's good to reevaluate that because so often the, the desire to accumulate money becomes the wet blanket that destroys the intimacy of marriage. Now, my encouragement would be, as we consider the Song of Solomon, as we look to Ephesians 5, is that we work really hard to protect our covenant love. And when we find ourselves being selfish, either in our marriage or in our relationship with Jesus, just confess that. Confession is not only good for the soul, but it it is the beginning of repentance, which will allow us to um, just have new thoughts, a new way of thinking of of what our marriage is and what the purpose of it is, and and, and to rebuild the, the desire for intimacy as opposed to apathy. Just determine that that you're going to um, want to uh, exemplify Christ and imitate Christ in your marriage. Focus on giving as opposed to simply getting. And by all means, fight against complacency and apathy. Now, the good news is in the Song of Solomon, the two lovers quickly overcome their conflict. And they, again, uh, build continued intimacy. They, they display a, a, a passion and a, a desire for one another. And the song continues to celebrate their covenant love. And one thing that we should be reminded of, because this is the Old Testament scriptures, that even in the immediate context of this love song and the celebration of covenant love, the the nation of Israel failed. Oh, they failed miserably to celebrate the covenant love that that their God, their Lord, desired to have with them. As much as the Lord wanted to experience a, a passionate, loving relationship with Israel, Israel didn't want it. For Israel, this was not a love song for them. They decided to pursue other lovers other lovers and idols, and and they gave their hearts away to these things. No, this this wasn't a love song for Israel. It, It was a song of heartbreak and brokenness. But story's not over because the Messiah finally appears and Jesus Christ declares 
that there is going to be now a new covenant relationship that he will have with his people by the sacrificial shedding of his blood on the cross. And we who believe now are in this new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God helps us to have an intimate and passionate relationship with our Lord through the church. And now, church, we we have the opportunity to celebrate that covenant love. Even now, when when our churches aren't able to, to gather physically, all the more we should be desiring and longing for that time when we can gather again as the church. But, but individually, let's not forsake pursuing our covenant love with Jesus Christ. And, and as we do that, and we're reminded that the church has a glorious bridegroom, husbands, you are to love your wives like Christ loves his church. And wives, you are to love your husbands in the same way and respect them in the same way that the church respects and gives honor to its glorious head, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we'll fight against apathy. We will get rid of complacency. And let's pursue covenant love. Let me pray with you. Father, during these times, we, in many ways, have been stripped away from a lot of the distractions in our lives. And in stripping those away, I I feel that there has been an exposure of sin, which, Father, I'm grateful for, because that sin being exposed now can be confessed and repented of, and by your Spirit's help, would you, would you help us to do that? And, and then in doing that, Father, I pray that there would be a renewal in the marriages that uh, are hearing this message today. I, I pray that there would be a, a renewal in our covenant commitment with Christ so that being stripped away with all these distractions, we can now focus on the main things. And, and Spirit of God, if you would please help us during this time, sanctify our hearts so that when all of this is over, we will have grown significantly in our walk with Jesus and in our love for one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Though in my soul dead in mercy Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Oh, you raised so free For she is over I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom faithfully He canceled my debt And he called me his friend
today by the teaching of God's Word and that you have been challenged in your walk so that you can walk more faithfully in the calling that the Lord Jesus has placed on your life. If you would, join with me as we close this chapel in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can know what it is that you desire from us. Lord, so that we aren't walking around in darkness wondering how it is that we can serve you more faithfully. Lord, these are difficult days, and we thank you for the fact that the direction that your, God, that your word gives us. And Lord, one of the things that we wanna do is we wanna pray according to what your scripture says, is to pray for those that are in leadership. Lord, we pray for those that are government leaders in our community. We pray for our president. We pray for our governor, those that are advising them as they make the best decisions that they can, Lord, to both protect us, Lord, and be able to provide for us. Lord, we also pray for our healthcare workers. We are so blessed by those who are serving on these front lines to be able to care for those that are hurting at this point in time. And Lord, we just pray for your protection for them and for your wisdom, especially for those, Lord, that also are working on therapies and vaccines and other ways to be able to combat, combat this virus. Lord, we also wanna pray for those that are our first responders, our police officers, our firemen, our others, and EMS workers. 
Lord, those that are being able to serve there in people's homes, be able to protect people in different ways, Lord, just again, have your hand of blessing upon them. Lord, what most of all that we pray is that you use us as your children to be able to share the message of your gospel with a lost and a dying world. Lord, don't let us be discouraged from doing that just because we have a stay at home order. Knowing that there's so many ways that we can interact with the world around us and we can share with them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in your mighty, wonderful and gracious name, amen.